0: Hey, it's Johnny Jett. Welcome back to my YouTube podcast. And today we have the founder of Scott's Cheap Flights, Scott Kies. It's not keys. I just learned, which is um, good to know. Scott, welcome to my
1: show. Johnny, thank you for having me. Great to be with you.
0: You too. Listen, I've been a fan of yours since I think pretty much since you started sending it out. I mean, you know, one of my things is just finding cheap flights. It's always been that way. And then all of a sudden I was like, who's this guy, Scott? He keeps finding these
1: incredible deals. Where are they coming from? It's a, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird hobby. We all have our own sorts of little passions in life. You know, some people really keep up with the Kardashians and other people are really good at at, at baking. And for me, for whatever reason, I've just been obsessed for years, for a decade with finding cheap flights. It's what I wake up thinking about and it's what I go to bed dreaming of.
0: Um- I'm actually, I'm with you on a lot of those times. I mean, I would just spend so much time searching flights and just trying to find it, but you have a much better business sense, obviously, because you created this empire
1: where you have have 30 people working for you now. Yeah. You know, it's, there's like 35 folks on the Scottship flights team, which a, I feel bad about sometimes because I feel like a lot of the credit just goes to, Oh, Scott, thank you so much for that deal you found. It's like, Oh man, we have an entire team that's helping you. I, I, I try to uh, remember that when they're thanking me, they're really thanking the entire, the entire team that makes it possible.
0: Well, listen, every year I write a, a post on like 17 ways to find a cheap flights. And one of them is always to sign up for your newsletter. So Scott has a free newsletter and a premium version. Why don't you tell people real quick about that?
1: That's right. So when you go to scottscheapflights.com, you can sign up. And what we do is we make sure that you never miss a great deal out of your home airport. You know, it started um, back in 2013, when I found the best deal of my life still to this day, uh, which was nonstop from New York City to Milan for 130 bucks round trip. And I, I didn't even have any sense that I wanted to go to Milan, I am not a fashion icon, but when you find a $130 flight to Milan, like of course I'm gonna get that. And so I took this trip, had a wonderful time, you know, skiing in the Alps and going to Cinque Terre and all this. When I got back from this trip, all my friends and coworkers kept coming up to me, hey, Scott, I heard about that great deal you got. Uh, hey, listen, next time you find a deal like that, can you let me know so I can get in on it too? And so rather than trying to remember every single person I needed to let know next time I found a deal, I was like, why don't I just start a simple little email list? And this way, when I find a deal, I can just let everybody know at the same time. I had no idea at the time, but in that moment, Scott's Cheap Flights was born and it was just a hobby for 18 months or so, just something I did for the love of the game until eventually it got large enough that I had to start thinking about it. You know, I started racking up some expenses and I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of interest in this. I wonder if there's a business opportunity there. And so that's how it launched as an actual company in 2015. But uh, I tell you, it was completely serendipitous, I, I did not come at this as somebody who a, a sort of aspiring lifelong entrepreneur, I come at this as somebody who just loved to be able to travel and hated overpaying for flights and loved finding those, you know, sort of diamonds in the rough when they do pop up those cheap flights, and then wanting to share it with people I know,
0: right? Well, you know, I have a similar story. I started in 1995, my newsletter, same thing. I used to be they- afraid to travel, afraid to fly. Got over the fear and just started an email it was brand new back then. You were probably born around then. And
1: um it- a, l- a little bit earlier than that. Things <laughs> got a little thin on top, but 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 no, you know, same same type of sentiment. You know, just just finding out wow, what do people what are people asking for? What are people uh hoping to get on their on their travels, whether it's advice or knowledge or information, or just knowing when a cheap deal pops up and then helping try to make sure that they don't miss out on it.
0: For sure. I mean, that's one of my people always ask me, how can I do what you're doing or whatever, or, or how do I get started? And I'm, listen, first follow your passion. You know, if, if you have a good passion, do it at least on the side. And so you can make some money. And then once you start making money, then you, then you do it full time.
1: But, um, congratulations! Yeah, that's exactly, you know, what it happened with me, because look, I came into this as somebody again, who was not trying to It wasn't sort of dead set to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't somebody who was like, oh, I have to start a company and let me figure out what that is. I was somebody who happened to be, you know, got really good at finding cheap flights and then just started getting all these demands from my friends and coworkers to let them know when they found this uh, or when I found a, a deal. But I was very hesitant for a long time to turn it into a company or to start to really put my Full-time energy into it because I was very cognizant of what the statistics are around startups and and the chances that any given small business or startup will succeed are are not good. And so I was I was really kind of uh, uh, you know doing it moonlighting, doing it on the side for a while. It wasn't until sort of six or eight months after launching it as a business that I realized, wow, there's a lot of potential here. Signups are going through the roof. I really owe it to myself to try to you know, dive uh, headfirst into this. But a lot of folks kind of, uh, uh, for better or worse, dive in right from the get-go. And whether I didn't have the courage or whether it was good sense, I I didn't do that initially. I waited till I saw really those signals from the market that, hey, yeah, there's a lot of interest in this. Let's see how far we can take it.
0: So did you have a job before this and what were you doing? I did.
1: Yeah, I was a journalist, actually. I worked as a, a political journalist in D.C. for years. Uh, and that's partly how my, I think a big, a, a pretty integral part of how Scott's Sheep Lights came to be because look, I love the, the uh, journalists and journalism. And I think it's just a wonderful uh, profession. If you know much about journalism, especially in, in high uh, cost of living cities like DC, it's not a job that you go into for the financial compensation. Sure. It is a relatively low paying, especially when you're out of first out of college. You know, I, I graduated college and took my first job in journalism, getting paid $34,000 a year in one of the most expensive cities in the country, which for me felt like, oh, wow, I've struck gold. Like this is more money than I could have ever imagined. But at the same time, you know, between rent and food and everything else, I realized, wow, if I want to be able to travel, I'm going to have to get really good at finding Uh, cheap flights. I knew that they were out there and I knew that people were finding them somehow. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't missing out on them because for me, it was going to be the difference between being able to take that trip, you know, to the Galapagos or to Europe or wherever, or not being able to go at all. So where where did you grow up? I grew up actually in Southwest Ohio, a small little town, uh, 3,500 people called Yellow Springs. The main reason people have heard of it is either for Antioch College, or because it's Dave Chappelle's hometown. Oh, I um, and so yeah, grew up in, in Ohio, went to school out in California, lived in DC and Mozambique and Mexico and Colorado before finally now settling out in Portland, Oregon. All
0: right, back up. You said Mozambique?
1: Yeah, I was out in Mozambique for, gosh, a month or two. Um, you know, it was a little kind of post college thing before uh, coming back to the US and then heading out to DC. Wow, how was that? Uh, it was very eye-opening, you know, I mean, obviously it's a very, very different experience than uh, uh, what I had in, in, certainly in California or, or, or Ohio, but um, it was one of those, I think, enlightening uh, uh, trips where you can, you realize how much connection you can develop and foster with other people who, you, where you don't even speak the same language, you know, you uh, know, Portuguese is one of the the main languages there, which I do not speak. Alas, (laughs) I speak some Spanish. I would try to sometimes bring out the Spanish. Didn't work very well. Uh, And then, you know, there are other more smaller local languages, but one of the most fascinating things for me was just constantly, you know, I'd be hanging out on a beach and just like hanging out with some kids and they could tell, you know, obviously I'm not from there, but they could also tell that I probably didn't speak uh, uh, the local language. But there was still this connection, and we could kind of communicate in a way. We could play games together. We could just like go uh, uh, jump in the ocean. It was actually really uh, uh, almost um, I don't know a sense of, of community and connection that oftentimes you, you look for when you travel, but but sometimes find and sometimes don't. For me, it was really uh, fun to be able to share that that connection that you can feel sometimes even with, with uh, without kind of spoken word language communication.
0: Right, and do you you know, before the pandemic, did you find any cheap flights to Mozambique?
1: Not often. Uh, we find much more cheap flights to kind of the more common, uh, 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 more sort of popular tourist destinations in Africa. I think South Africa, Kenya, uh, Morocco and Egypt, you know, to a lesser extent, Tanzania, Uganda. Seychelles? Uh, Seychelles every once in a while. I, you know, the cheapest of seen to Seychelles from the US all in maybe 700 bucks round trip. It is not a place that you're going to get to very cheap, but there are ways to get there cheaper than, you know, just going in and searching from your home airport to, to uh, the Seychelles. There are ways to still try to bring the price down and make sure you're not overpaying.
0: Yeah. So one of my tips for, you know, finding cheap flights is uh, getting like a, a double ticket. Uh, so let's say I was going, I was going to, um, where was I was, I was going to, um, I- I'm spacing on the, on the name of it. Let me look at my map in Italy, Sardinia. Oh yeah. my gosh how could I forget about Sardinia and, and going ah. from New York to Sardinia in the summer, it was like three grand. And then I was like, you know what? I booked New York to London on one ticket and then another ticket London to Sardinia, which they, you know, they leave at a separate airport. So you got to leave plenty of time in between. Yes.
1: And um, so do you offer that at all too? or not? I, Absolutely. I love this trick. This is a, a, a tactic called the Greek Island trick. Um, and so let's imagine, you know, you're going somewhere like Sardinia or let's say you're going to Santorini, you know, one of the most famous Greek islands. Mm -hmm. If you search for flights from your home airport to Santorini, let's say it's out of New York, chances are you're going to be looking at $2,000 tickets, maybe more if it's in the summertime, but we regularly find flights from New York to Athens nonstop for as little as like 350 bucks round trip. Once you're in Athens, you can get over to Santorini, you know, on a $50 Ryan, uh, Ryanair flight. You can get there on a $75 ferry, you know, a fast boat cruise out there. There's so many ways to get there cheaper. And so by building your own itinerary, building your own layover, and using what I call the Greek island trick, you end up paying, you know, forty like like less than $500 for a trip that would otherwise cost. just by searching it in one itinerary. So kind of being smart, especially when you're trying to go to maybe a more remote or far flung destination like Sardinia, like Santorini, uh, finding a a cheaper flight across the ocean and then getting a separate ticket onto your final destination.
0: For sure. So is there one airline that you think does a great job internationally for cheap flights and domestically, or, or it just depends on everything?
1: It totally depends. You know, one day it'll be Delta offering flights from Atlanta to Amsterdam for 300 bucks. And the next day it'll be United with their $350 flights to, to Rome. And the next day it'll be British Airways. It really um, uh, uh, kind of fluctuates. And so what? one of the pieces of advice that I give folks is rather than trying to, build, trying to uh, kind of Build things in advance, decide what airline you're flying on, decide exactly where you're going, you know, this or that. Try to set the price, try to set cheap flights as the top priority. One of the chapters that I uh, have in my forthcoming book, uh, Take More Vacations, is that the way that we tend to search for flights, the traditional way of searching for flights is actually backwards if you're hoping to get cheap flights. So it's a three-step process. Step one, you decide where you want to go. Step two, you decide when you want to go there. And only on step three do you look, well, well, what are the flights costs? What is the airfare like? By setting price as the last priority, it's not terribly surprising we end up getting some expensive flights. So instead of doing that, what I recommend is taking that same three-step process and actually flipping it on its head and use what I call the flight-first method. Step one where are there cheap flights out of my home airport you know okay there are flights from new york right now under 400 bucks round trip to morocco or to rome or to croatia step two of those places where there are cheap flights available which one interests you the most oh i'd love to go to croatia you know i've never been those those beaches the 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 scenes from game game of thrones down in dubrovnik looks incredible step three Of the cheap flights to Croatia, when are they available and what works with my schedule? Oh, there's a week in September when I can get off work and they're only 350 bucks. So by setting prices, the top priority rather than the last priority, that's how you're going to end up getting some really cheap flights and how you're going to be able to take many more vacations than you would if you set price as the last priority. Right. So when you, when you do find a cheap flight, do you then quickly
0: look at either an Airbnb or a hotel to see what those prices are? Because there could be a conference in town or,
1: you know, yeah, I mean, often, you know, oftentimes in that, that's sort of what I'm thinking as part of step two. So I'll, I'll, I'll do step one. I'll see, okay, where are the options? Where are there cheap flights out of my home airport? And to be clear, that's always changing. There's not a set. Uh, you know, there's not a set uh, uh, array of destinations that are always cheap. You know, one day flights from New York to Barcelona might be 600 bucks and the next day they might be 250. So it pays to kind of be be uh, flexible and kind of monitor things a little bit. But then in step two, when I see where, okay, where are some options? That's when I'm starting to do a little bit of research. So it's not just where it interests me, but also taking a look. Yeah, what are the accommodations cost? What can I do there? How long is the, you know, should I be traveling for? What times of year are best to, you know, I don't, I'm not, particularly enthused to be in Sevilla in the middle of July. I've done that once like 10 years ago. Let me tell you, I understood why Spanish people take siestas at two or 3 PM because it is brutally hot in the middle of the afternoon in Southern Spain. So, you know, looking at those sorts of uh, average monthly weather reports and then sort of getting a sense, okay, yeah, you know, Croatia in May, that sounds like a great trip. Let me then see what dates work. So are there certain destinations that are,
0: you know, always cheap? I mean, you know, you know, you say Athens, you know, you find flights for 300. I mean, are there certain places that you, you you can always pretty much rely on? I mean, before it was Iceland air or not Iceland air, it was Mm. wow going to Iceland Mm. now, but once you get to Iceland, it's crazy expensive.
1: Yeah. There's certainly a lot of places that are much more common to see cheap flights than others. So if you're obviously, you know, going to vary region to region, if you're going to Europe where we see cheap flights pop up most consistently, and this is mostly true pre-pandemic and what i expect to be true again post-pandemic right now there's a real kind of dearth of cheap flights to europe in large part because the airlines just aren't flying nearly as many flights there right now while the borders are mostly closed for tourism but once those start to reopen hopefully as soon as this summer then i think you're going to see a bunch of cheap europe flights start to re-emerge but in uh, um Thinking uh, post-pandemic, where the, uh, which cities are most likely to be cheap? Typically, you're seeing Spain, so Barcelona and Madrid, two great, you know, we see regularly flights from New York and Boston and, and the East Coast, even Chicago over to Barcelona or, or Madrid for as little as 250 bucks round trip, usually nonstop. Uh, Paris and Amsterdam, also very, very common to see cheap flights uh, to those cities and Rome I would say is up there as well. Now there are certainly, you know I, I've seen just about every single city in Europe uh, go under 350 bucks round trip at least, uh, a, a few times a year, if not more often. But when you're thinking about where's the most common to see cheap flights, it's that sort of Barcelona, Madrid, Paris, Amsterdam, and Rome, I would say make up the lion's share.
0: I assume that's because there's so much competition on those routes.
1: That's exactly right. So, competent, you know, oftentimes we have this mental model of thinking, well, it's, uh, um, we think of flights almost like we're thinking of road trips, where the cost of driving from New York to Pittsburgh is a lot lower than flying from New York or or than driving from New York to Chicago. So, you know, a flight from New York to Pittsburgh must be cheaper than a flight from New York to Chicago, right? Well, not, no, not, not at all. In fact, it usually is more expensive to fly from New York to Pittsburgh than New York to Chicago. And the reason why is, the fuel, the jet fuel is actually a pretty small uh, 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 like portion of the way that airlines are thinking of, of their expense uh, uh, and, and how they should be charging for those flights. And what the more uh, much more common determinant of how often a cheap flight pops up on a route it's just competition between the airlines. How many airlines are flying this route and how often are they flying it? And so you see a ton of flights between New York and Chicago, but you don't see all that many flights between New York and Pittsburgh, which is why they tend to be more expensive. And that's the same thing with Europe. You see a ton of flights from New York to uh, Madrid and, and Barcelona and Paris and less to places, you know, think Geneva or less to places like, um, oh gosh, I don't know, uh, to, to Brussels, say. They happen, but also the other thing too with a place like, let's say, Brussels or London is cheap flights certainly pop up in those destinations, but one factor that makes them slightly less likely to pop up than a Barcelona, say, is the fact that there are much more many more business travelers who are on a plane flying between New York and London or New York and Brussels, than there are on a plane between New York and Barcelona. And when the airline knows there's a bunch of business travelers on there, What do they want to do they want to jack up the price because they know the business travelers will pay it because it's their company paying not them whereas vacationers leisure travelers like you and i we care a lot what the price is because it might be not only is every dollar we spend on airfare a dollar we can't spend you know at a restaurant or a bar or tour but it's also money that that is in you know finite supply like like if the flight is too expensive We're just not going to take it. We're going to fly somewhere else or take a road trip or not go on vacation at all. And so airlines, there's a kind of a natural ceiling to how much airlines can charge when they know it's a leisure traveler buying that ticket than if it's a business traveler.
0: Right. So how about people like us who are on the
1: West coast? You're in, you're in Portland, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, you actually see a good number of cheap flights uh, even to Europe, even from the West coast. Now it's going to be slightly more true if you live in LA or San Francisco or even Seattle. And um, but for instance, the, the, it is typically cheaper to fly from LA to let's say Barcelona than it is to fly from, I don't know, Albany. To Barcelona or, or, right. you know, Charlottesville or somewhere like that, a smaller East Coast airport, even though it's a shorter distance from those, because again, there's far less competition between those city pairs. The airlines don't, aren't forced to undersell one another the way they are for a flight between LA and Barcelona,
0: which brings up another topic. And one of my tips for finding cheap flights is hidden city tickets. Although the airlines are really starting to clamp down on that. It seems I, I. Uh, I mean, I assume that you do not condone it because, you know, the airlines would not be too happy, but I
1: mean, you know, I don't have any moral compunction with it. I think it's totally fine from a moral standpoint to be buying hidden city tickets. Uh, But we typically don't send those out to the Scott Street flights list just because it's somewhat of an advanced tactic. Um, You know, this is the method of of buying a flight uh, uh, and getting off in the connecting city rather than getting off in the Final city where you where you were originally ticketed to fly to, and there are a few sort of terms and conditions. You need to make sure you don't check a bag. You need to make sure you're not telling the airline what you're doing. You need to make sure you don't buy a round trip flight because that way, if you don't fly that last leg of a round uh, of you know your initial outbound flight, then the they just automatically cancel the rest of your ticket, and you won't have a return flight. So this is why it's not necessary for the average traveler for, you know, your sort of right. once a year vacationer, but for folks who travel a lot and are really sort of have a sense and comfortable with with uh, um, how to go about it, it can definitely be a way that can save, uh, save uh, a good amount of money. You just need to be sure not to overdo it. You know, airlines, to the extent they're clamping down, it's mostly from what I've heard when somebody's buying hidden city tickets, you know, 10, 12, 15 times a year. Right. Whereas, you know, I've done it once or twice you can do it every every now and again. They're not going to be they, they, the odds that you're going to get clamped down on for doing it every once in a while. Very, very low. Right.
0: For example, uh, on that, by the way, you know, L.A. to Charlotte before the pandemic it was only one flight, American. Uh, and I'm sure it's the same now. But, you know, that mm. flight would be five hundred and forty dollars. But if you booked L.A. to, let's say, LaGuardia or Jacksonville via Charlotte, it could be one hundred and fifty dollars. So you would save, you know, almost four hundred dollars just by. You know getting off booking a one-way ticket so i mean exactly and 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 to
1: be clear you know there's nothing illegal about it it is absolutely not against the law there is no law that says you can't do this the airlines don't like it though and they say it's against their terms and policies which is why you don't want to go around you know shouting from the rooftops that you've got a cheaper hidden city ticket but the reason why i don't have any moral compunction with it is the new york times ethicist gave its blessing as well you know they say if you buy a large pizza there's nothing saying you have to eat every single slice. Like it's okay if you eat half and don't eat the other half. And and in, in the same way, it's fine if you buy you know a full ticket to Laguardia, but you just uh, get off in Charlotte.
0: That's a good analogy. I never thought about that one, with the pie, the pizza, mm. which is my. I'm favorite. hungry. It's lunchtime.
1: Yeah, you're getting me hungry.
0: Um, so have you traveled extensively? I mean, I know you have, but do you have any idea how many countries you've been to and how many continents?
1: Oh, gosh. Been to uh, about 46 countries, I think, on last check. The only continent I've never been to is Australia, New Zealand, and I guess Antarctica. Um, going to get there someday. Going to get there one of these days. Really excited to visit you, New Zealand. You got to go to Australia. I, I got to go. I don't know why I haven't yet, but um, it's going to happen sometime soon. Yeah. Well,
0: Australia used to be crazy expensive and then it it went down in price but now you can't even go to australia or new zealand for that matter um until this pandemic's over
1: yeah it's one of those that i think um you're gonna see a rebound in the number of cheap flights as we come out of the pandemic and as the borders open you know back rewind back to 2018 2019 we were seeing regularly uh uh flights that were you know sold normally for as low as 550 bucks round trip from all over the u.s down to australia and then we would actually see a good number of what I call mistake fares. You know, when the airline accidentally sells a ticket for way for, you know, 90, 95% off. That's how I got that $130 round trip flight to Milan. That was hundred percent a make a mistake fare. Um, but the, we saw actually a good number of mistake fares to Australia and New Zealand. You know, my co-founder Brian actually got a, I think it was a $230 uh, round trip flight for his entire family down to New Zealand. Uh, and so when those pop up, especially with somewhere on that's on everybody's bucket list, like Australia, New Zealand, those are some of our favorite uh, deals that do pop up.
0: So speaking of mistake fares, a couple of things, you know, you know, do you think that's moral because, you know, or ethical and also are the airlines, you know, they, they seem to be clamping down on those too. Like, you know, they'll say, sorry, that was a mistake. And, and if you went and booked hotel accommodations or non-refundable reservations, you could be
1: screwed. Uh, yeah, so mistake fares, you know, we mentioned like are when the airline accidentally sells a ticket for way less than they meant to. And, you know, the biggest question on everybody's mind is, well, is the airline going to honor it? Or are they just going to cancel your your tickets? What we found is that uh, 85% of the time, you know, 80, 85, 90% of the time, somewhere in that range, the airlines do honor the tickets. You know, some of the mis- recent mistake fares we found, uh, just in the past few months, Atlanta down to Chile for sixty-three dollars round trip. Wow! Um, you know because flights- they forgot
0: they forgot to put a zero on the end of that sixty. Exactly,
1: exactly. You know, the, uh, uh, flights from Boston to Puerto Rico for twenty-three dollars round trip. Uh, these mistakes happen more frequently than you would think, and when they do, you know that's almost what we're there for—to make sure that folks. Don't miss out on it because then it's a race against time. You're trying to book it before the airline realizes the mistake and fixes it. Uh, and most of the time, if you have booked your ticket before they fix it, then you, you're you able to, to have a bona fide mistake fare and take that trip. You know, a few mistake fares that I've personally gotten in my life. I mentioned that $130 round trip flight to Milan, $169 round trip to Japan, uh, 225 round trip to Brussels twice, 225 round trip to Barcelona. So they, they happen quite a bit and, and I can tell you from personal experience, most of the time they get honored. The reason why the airlines honor it most of the time is that they before 2015, they were actually legally required to honor it. That changed in 2015 and a lot of people thought, okay, well airlines are never going to honor mistake fares now, why would they? They continue to do so at a, at, at a very high rate, and the reason why is they don't want a, a social media spitstorm on their hands. You know, they don't want the, the number. They don't want people just irate at them on Twitter, on Facebook, elsewhere. You know, saying, "I can't believe you canceled my ticket. This is such a, a, a travesty." And on the flip side, if the airline honors the fare they usually are receiving huge marketing dividends from people, you know, tweeting about them, sharing with their friends. I got this amazing deal. You know, there was one of my favorite mistake fairs was in 2018, was a, a business class mistake fair from uh, uh, the West Coast out to all over Southeast Asia, Hong Kong, Vietnam, Bangkok, etc. for 560 bucks round trip in business class. Qatar, um, Hong- was that Qatar? That was on Hong Kong Airlines. And they, uh, you know, not only did they honor the mistake fair, they actually handed out little cards to people in business class when they got on, like, congratulations on getting the deal of a lifetime. Tweet about it with this hashtag, this or that. So, you know, real kind of turning lemons into lemonade. Um, You know, you mentioned about uh, uh, what if you book non-refundable accommodations or something and they do end up canceling it. Here's your best bet most in those rare instances when an airline does cancel a mistake fare, that 10 to 15% of the time, they usually do so almost always within the first 48, 72 hours. And I've almost never seen it later than a week or two uh, uh, after booking. And so what I will do is when I book that mistake fare, I'll just sit tight for two weeks. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, um, Send all my good juju, hope for the best (laughs) that, that they do decide to honor. it. And if it's been two weeks and I haven't heard anything, you know, it's a real no news is good news situation. Then I start making plans for that trip. Um, But uh, you know, give it a little bit of time to make sure you don't accidentally book something and then find out your, your ticket gets canceled. Theoretically, the Department of Transportation has said, if you book a non-refundable you know, accommodation or tour, and then the airline cancels your ticket, they're actually responsible for reimbursing you for that. I haven't seen that tested much. Right. And so I certainly wouldn't want to be the guinea pig testing it. Uh, I would just wait you know, a good two weeks yeah. before starting to make plans. Yeah. Good luck, especially
0: if you book something internationally, because you, you're not going to
1: it can be, it can be, yeah, it cannot sometimes just not even be worth the hassle to try to recoup your money.
0: Right. Uh, totally. So do you have a favorite airline?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, being in the Pacific Northwest, I'm a big fan of Alaska, partially because their, um, their miles seem uh, are, in my opinion, one of the most valuable, but also because there are little kind of tips and tricks you can use with them. They have a ton of different partners. You can uh, do like free layovers on a round trip flight. Um, I've been a I've been a fan of Alaska, but generally I'm not loyal to any one airline because I'm loyal to the bottom line. I'm loyal to cheap flights, and so if a flight is cheaper on Southwest, if it's cheaper on American, if, if it's cheaper on Delta, I'm generally going for wherever's cheapest. But I still, you know, to be clear, uh, price is one of the main factors, it's not the only factor. And that's why, you know, every deal we send out on Scotchee flights, it has to be cheap. Yes, of course, but it also has to pass what we call the bestie test. You know, it has to be a deal that you would be comfortable sending to your best friend. And so that means, you know, not on a real kind of uh, uh, budget airline, that, that no frills, you know, charging you for everything, not a, you know, three connections or 60 hours of travel time or this or that. I still have my limits but, um, generally I, I, I don't have loyalty to one airline or another.
0: Gotcha. And how about, um, what was I gonna say? What what is your best travel tip in terms of besides signing up for your newsletter?
1: Mm, Best travel tip. Um, one of my favorite travel tips is a little happiness hack. Uh, one of the, the, um, uh, kind of, Happiness researchers, whose name escapes me at the moment, but he's done a lot of kind of research and study into the ways that we our memory works and how we tend to enjoy, especially moments of a trip. And he says, you know, the way that we uh, tend to enjoy our trips is what he calls the peak end rule. And so our best, our biggest memories from any given trip in the past are how we felt at the peak. Uh, uh, you know, emotional state during it and how we felt at the end of the trip. And so because the end of the trip especially is so important, what I'll usually try to do is save, you know, some fancy dinner, some really fun tour, something special for that very last day on the trip, because that's almost a way to make sure that I'm uh, uh, not only have something to look forward to throughout the trip, but that my memories of that trip are so, uh, uh, you know, just fruitful and exciting and, and 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 memorable um in a way that it would prop might be less so if i did all my fun activities in the beginning and then just sort of coasted for the rest of the trip scheduling a, f- a great activity or a great meal uh for your for your last day is a, a is a simple little way to make it so that your future self ends up looking back on that vacation with more happiness
0: and do you have a best um, happiness trip i mean what was your favorite
1: my favorite trip ever, i mean gosh that's like deciding between children but um do you have children by the way i do i've got a two-year-old and uh um yeah learning this sort of travel oh. with uh with kids is certain certainly been eye-opening it's 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 quite a bit different but it's fun you know you get to learn you get to not only learn this this whole new uh, uh world of travel that that you hadn't really been privy to, but you also get to enjoy these destinations through, you know, in my case, my daughter's eyes. And that's such a, um, Uh, an uplifting and rewarding experience for, you know, a jaded 34 year old like myself, Uh, you know, seeing I've been to Mexico many times, been to Japan, however many times to see it with fresh eyes is really, really a joy. And so, you know, my favorite place is when, you know, Scott, I'm giving you a free ticket. You can go anywhere. It's probably going to be Japan if it's a longer trip or Mexico, if it's a shorter trip. And have you traveled during the pandemic? I have. I took one trip down to Arizona late last year, uh, and 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 the thing being, you know, usually in a given year I'm I'm on a plane every two weeks or so, and so it's been a um, a very different past twelve months, only to having taken one trip during that entire time. Um, but the the uh, we tried to take a trip in, in November when things were looking a little bit calmer because we knew, look, the winters in the Pacific Northwest tend to be pretty gray, pretty brutal. You really wanna to try to get out and find some sunshine at least once during that time. And we said it might be pretty tough early in 2021, let's take a trip uh, uh, you know, just after the election and be able to, to get some sunshine, get some happiness, and then sort of ride it out until we were able to get vaccinated. Yeah. I mean,
0: I, I have a 19th month old daughter and I have a four and a half year old son. And listen, it's been the best. My daughter has never been on a plane because we, we were waiting eight months to she got our vaccinations and everything. And then the pandemic hit. We had all these trips planned. Mm-hmm. My son in two years has been on about 70 flights.
1: Oh, my gosh. Crazy. I tell you, yeah, it was the, it it was the same thing with us. We had so many trips planned for 2020, not least of which because um, that, you know, she was going to turn two in late 2020. And so we wanted to try to get as many free lap child tickets as we could before she turned two. And then uh, the world had other, other plans. So we didn't, weren't able to take advantage of those, but you know, if we end up having another kid going to try to take as many of those lap child uh, free tickets as we can.
0: Well, you know, one of my buddies, Peter Greenberg is like, do not ever use the lap child
1: method because really?
0: it's not safe. There, there really are a flying torpedo. If there's anything, any sudden stops and you can't hold on to them tight enough. Oh, wow. So, you know, when you find these cheap flights, I think it's probably better to buy one extra one. And And usually when I was flying with my, my wife and my son, I would always get the bulkhead of, mm. you know, in coach, and I'd book all three seats because it was usually a three and three because we'd, we'd go to Toronto a lot from L.A. or wherever mm. we go. But it's so much easier having that bulkhead, you know, not having to worry about him kicking and also having that extra seat and also the privacy. So if she was breastfeeding and things like that.
1: Sure. And I'll tell you what was a real uh, revelation for me was we flew uh, to Belarus when when my daughter was, uh, gosh, about a year old or so. Yeah. I hadn't realized that in the bulkhead aisle of of these long haul international flights, you can have a crib essentially yep. that attaches to the bulkhead wall for for the infant. Totally. And I you know, I don't know. I just in my flying career had never seen it. Uh, uh, and it was such a relief. I mean, tell you, it was it made our lives so much easier than it would have been otherwise on that 10, 12, 12 Amazing. hour flight.
0: And real quick before I let you go, why would you go to Belarus?
1: So I actually have family there. Um, okay. Yeah, my wife and, and I have a lot of family out in in rural Belarus, which is, you know, to me, like, one of the one of the reasons why I'm out here preaching the cheap flight gospel is, look, Paris is amazing. Rome is amazing. Tokyo is amazing. The places that we think of as amazing are really are amazing. But there are so many other parts of the world that are going to be amazing to you personally, Johnny, or you personally, viewer, that Aren't necessarily appealing to the average tourist or the average traveler. And so, one of the reasons why I love cheap flights and being able to take, you know, three, four, or five trips a year is being able to test out some of those places that are further down the bucket list. Because in a lot of cases, those are the places that end up, you find the most sort of joy or meaning in, uh, uh, you know, some of my favorite trips I've ever taken have been to places like uh, Lithuania or Trinidad and Tobago. Um, places that are, you know, Taiwan that, that, that aren't really at the top of the average tourists bucket list. But for me personally, I just found so much joy. in. And when I found this, you know, one of the things I covered in the book is, is, is this idea of a travel career ladder that when you first start out traveling, yeah, you go to kind of the big hits, the traditional tourist favorites, but as you take more trips, you actually get better at traveling it's almost like a skill or a muscle that you exercise and you get better at and you get better at figuring out the parts of travel and the the parts of specific destinations that are going to make you personally the the you know the happiest give you the most joy and then be able to on future trips better pair that so if you're somebody who really likes you know street food finding these sorts of destinations in cities around the world that have just, a, you know, delectable street food, but that might not be on the sort of average tourist uh, uh, bucket list.
0: I agree with you 100%. And by the way, did my quote make the back of your book?
1: It absolutely did. It's right on there. I I would show you, but this one actually is just a tester copy and it has a white page. Okay. And
0: how about, how about that passport over your shoulder? Is that a real passport? That's my real
1: passport. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've I've got my white CDC card uh, just off camera as well. I'm going to be protecting that as though it's my passport in case there are more places like Iceland or Belize that are letting vaccinated travelers bypass the normal, uh, testing or quarantine requirements. So
0: are you seeing a big uptick in, in, you know, people interested in traveling and traveling? I mean, obviously the TSA is, but how about internationally? Or do you have hopes for uh, international or are you gonna be sticking to mostly to domestic?
1: Yeah, you know, yes to all fronts. Uh, I think about a month ago, we started to really see an inflection point, not only in public sentiment, but even in our own internal numbers. Uh, People have been doing everything they can for the past 12 months, making so many sacrifices. And for a lot of folks, that's meant not taking the normal trips that they were so excited to be able to take in a normal year. The pent up demand for travel right now is unlike anything we've ever seen. And so you're just starting to see that get released, not only in the folks who are traveling today, but when you look at the number of flight searches, it is way up and to the right. You know, you know, The number of people searching for flights to Maui, to, to Cancun, to Puerto Rico are actually up double digits compared to March of 2019. So it is, I mean, it is really, uh, I think we're going to see a, a, a pretty massive travel search here over these next few months as people do their best to try to make up for lost time and make up for those trips that they weren't able to take over the past few months.
0: And where's your first trip going to be with your family?
1: I've got a flight actually scheduled to Spain in June that I'm crossing my fingers about because mm. right now, today, American tourists can't go visit Spain, but they're talking about trying to reopen uh, for uh, um, American tourists and beyond as early as mid May. Uh, you know, Spain and Greece are really trying to. Uh, make sure that they don't miss out on another summer travel season and open up by mid-May. So, um, you know, I, I will see. There's it's gonna obviously... It's going to be close. It's going to be close. There's, uh, you know, if we've learned nothing during the pandemic, it's that Uh, You got to make your travel plans in pencil rather than pen, but I'm cautiously optimistic that that trip will happen. If not, no big deal. You can change your flights without having to pay any penalty right now. And so I'll just push it back to, to July or August if need be.
0: And do you think the airlines are going to change that tomorrow, by the way, that deadline for domestic or for our U.S. airlines is supposed to end tomorrow? For the yeah, chi- for
1: basic economy tickets, that flexibility, you know, to be able to change your tickets without any penalty, that's ending at the end of March. Um, tomorrow, Throughout the pandemic, they keep on pushing it back, you know, another month or two. I think this is the deadline that sticks because the airlines had to do this when they were trying to entice more bookings, when they are seeing you know, that this was the only thing that was going to get people to book. But now people are going to book regardless. People are booking their flights. I think the airlines have decided we don't need to add extra incentive. But to be clear, if you book in main economy or higher, change fees are gone for you permanently now. This is a change that happened uh, uh, late last year where the airlines across the board, except for the budget airlines, you know, the main US airlines, Delta, United, American, Alaska, JetBlue, Hawaiian, Also, if you book main economy, you can change your dates later without having to pay any penalty to do so. If the new flights are more expensive, you do have to cover that fare difference. But if the new flights are cheaper, you actually on most airlines will get the difference back in the form of a travel credit. So all the more reason in my mind to prioritize cheap Except United on that one. Exactly. I wish United would, would... uh, it Lodge. changed their policy, both because it's the right thing to do and because it would make my explanation much simpler yeah. to be able to just say all oh, the airlines, you get your money back if the, if the new flight is cheaper. For sure. And also
0: we should give some love to Southwest because they never charged.
1: Yes. South- Thank you. Yes. I, I, uh, I always feel terrible. I, you know, like I, I forgot the, the uh, dancing with the one who brought me there. But yes, Southwest is the, the OG king of no fees for changing your flights and on Southwest, unlike many of these other ones, you can, you have much more flexibility to be able to cancel your flight and either have essentially retain full, uh, uh, full credit. You can use those funds in full for a different flight.
0: Gotcha. Well, Scott, you know, we've been speaking for almost 45 minutes, uh, supposed to be 20 minutes, but yeah. you're such an interesting guy. And you know what, we're going to have to do this again.
1: Absolutely. You know, I, if it's not, if it's not clear, I love talking about flights, cheap flights, travel. So I appreciate your, your, your having me on. I would love to do it again sometime soon.
0: All right, good. Well, everyone, please uh, sign up to Scott's cheap flights, get the premium version. If you really want to get the good deals and how much is that? $59, 49 bucks a year, 49 bucks a year, even better. And uh, also please sign up to my newsletter. It's free. I got a daily travel tip and a weekly newsletter. And also, um, subscribe to this podcast and YouTube channel. All right. All right, guys.